Hey, thanks for checking out West Church Lake Norman. Whether you are worshiping with us live stream right now or you're checking us out on demand, we are so grateful that you have taken a few minutes out of the busyness of your life uh, to be with us. If you are newer to the West community, we would love to know that you are worshiping with us. You can uh, send a message, text the word welcome to the number that you see on the screen, or you can uh, just send us an email at info at headingwest.org and let us know that you're here. We have have some gifts that we'd love to send you, some fun gifts like free coffee and stuff. And then after that, you can choose whether you hear from us again or not. But we hope that you find today's message meaningful and relevant. We are talking about villains in the spooky season, and we're getting ready in a couple of weeks for our big uh, Halloween extravaganza on the last Sunday in October, October 30th. Uh, we would love to have you be a part of that event. So on your screen and in just a few minutes, you're going to see a video of our Halloween extravaganza. There's going to be uh, ways that you can volunteer a QR code. So get your phones ready and get ready to volunteer. But today we are going to talk about the villain that is in all of us, like the villain in The Little Mermaid. What was going on in Ursula. And believe it or not, Ariel had a little bit of a villain going on in her. It's a villain that lives in each of us, and it's one we need to get a grip on, we need to take control of before it takes control of us. So I'm so glad that you're listening to this message, and thanks for being here. It's spooky season. On a Sunday morning, the day before Halloween, at Lake Lauren High School, West Church Lake Norman is hosting our annual Halloween extravaganza. How good are you at saying hello to people? Do you like to dress up and scare children? What about popping popcorn? Are you crafty and like to decorate things? Just because you're not a kid doesn't mean that Halloween isn't for you. So don't worry, we have a spot just for you. This is a great way for you to use your time and energy to make Halloween special for other people. Scan this QR code to be a part of the team that is going to make this possible for our community. I'm going to leave this up here for a few seconds with some spooky music so that you have time to sign up now. Seriously, come on, scan it. Don't wait. Sign up now and help West Church make this a great Halloween. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. And I fortunately knew a little magic. It's a talent that I always have possessed. And here lately, please don't laugh. I use it on behalf of the miserable, lonely, and depressed. Pathetic. Poor unfortunate souls in pain, in need. This one longing to be thinner, that one wants to get the girl, and do I help them? Yes, indeed. Those poor unfortunate souls, so sad, so true. They come flocking to my cauldron, crying, spells, Ursula, please, and I help them. Yes, I do. So what is one thing that you wanted so, so bad, and then when you finally got it, like all the hype and everything that had led up to you getting it, then it's like, hmm, this is not all that it's cracked up to be. 
So growing up, I wanted to be a preacher when I was seven years old. My grandmother used to watch Oral Roberts on TV. He was like this televangelist that sort of went bad. Oral Roberts University, if you've heard of that. But my granny used to watch him every weekend. And so I would watch him like screaming at people and waving his arms around. And for some reason, I wanted to be a preacher. I love Jesus. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. So one of my earliest memories of my desire to be or my calling to be a pastor was preaching to my cats on my grandmother's farm. My grandmother and my grandfather owned a tobacco farm in Roxborough, North Carolina, and my cat had kittens. And so we had like nine kittens on our farm. And I had one of those old Tommy swing sets. Uh, We're going to show you a picture in just a second so you can see what I'm talking about. But I had one of those old Tommy swing sets. And I used to get, much to my grandmother's dismay, uh, a pack of Meow Mix. And I would put a single pack on every single space on the swing set. And I would put a kitten at that pack of Meow Mix. And it would have to sit there and eat the Meow Mix. And I had all nine kittens eating at the same time so that I could preach to them. It was the only way that I could have a captive audience. But growing up, I told my parents about that calling, about that dream. And and after that time, like I continued in the Baptist church. And when I became a teenager, I learned that women couldn't be pastors in that tradition. And so I wanted to be a youth pastor. I wanted to be a youth pastor and a choir director, because that was a a role that a woman could have in the church. And my parents simply said no. My dad said, no, you'll never be successful. You'll never make any money. And so you need to do something different. We joke, uh, for some of you that know me or have known me for a while, we joke that the profession that my father wanted me to choose was to be an engineer, which is frightening. Like, my brain does not work that way at all. And so uh, that was not going to work. I tried to find a career path that would let me be with people and uh, teaching and and working with people. And so I finally settled on on being an elementary educator. I went to Appalachian. I graduated in three years because I was able to go in with enough credits and took summer school. And so then I started teaching and I taught for three years at Claremont Elementary. And it was it was good but there was always something missing. So uh, into my first year of teaching, I decided, okay, I'm going to go back and get my master's degree. And so while I was teaching, I was getting my master's degree in technology and uh, technology education so I could teach computers. And back in the dark ages, computers were just now starting to come into existence. And like there was one computer or two computers in every school, not in every classroom, certainly not every kid had one. Uh, but that was my master's. So I did that. And then I graduated with my master's and fin- continued to teach. And I'm like, there's still something missing. And so I'm like, okay, I know what I want. I want a job in administration. Like, I want a promotion. I just finished this master's degree. I want to I be in the central office. That's what it's called if you're in the field of education, if you're one of the higher-up administrators. And I'm like, I want that kind of job. 
And so I started applying, and then one came open in Ashe County. I'd also always wanted to live in the mountains. I went to Appalachian. I call that up there God's country. It's just so beautiful. And I always wanted to live in Boone. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like nirvana. I can be an administrator in Ashe County. I can live in Boone. Uh, I can have everything that I've wanted in my career. I took the job as the technology facilitator for Ashe County Schools and uh, had recently, right before I took that job, found out that I was expecting my first child. And honestly, that was the longest nine months of my life. Moving to Boone when you're not a college student and all your buddies aren't up there, it's just not the same. Working in administration is also not the same. What I realized was the part of education that I was so passionate about, the children, and and teaching and and learning and growing together, you don't necessarily get to do as much of that in administration, especially when it's computers. And so that, that was not going well. And I was an outsider in the county where traditionally had always had insiders. In fact, the first two weeks that I was at the job, the ongoing question was, who are you? How did you get this? Who do you know? Who are you kin to? And finally, I got so frustrated with that question. I got a little smart mouth one time and somebody said, well, how did you get this job? Um, If you don't know anybody or you're not kin to anybody up here, I said, well, maybe it's my qualifications. That was not my best moment. It was a long, long nine months. Finally, when I gave birth to our firstborn, I'm like, I'm never going back to that. For a brief stint, I thought I might sell Mary Kay makeup and, you know, become independently wealthy. That, too, was a fiasco. But uh, the bottom line is, What I had wanted, what I thought would be my dream to be this administrator and all this stuff, it ended up being a nightmare. I'll never forget I would carry these computers, these massive, massive computers home every night to try to get my spouse, who also had the same master's degree, to fix them. They didn't want somebody to teach. They wanted somebody to fix the machines. I was in over my head. And when I say it was the longest nine months of my life, it truly, truly was. What I wanted was not what it was cracked up to be. And I missed my kids. I missed teaching. I missed people. The villain that we have in all of us, the villain that we see depicted in The Little Mermaid, is this villain called discontentment. It's also called envy and jealousy. It's like we look at our lives and we we just can't be content with what we have and where we are. We often think, oh, well, if I had this different job, or if I had this promotion, or if I had this set of friends, if I was accepted into this group instead of this group, or if I had a house in this location, or if um, only I had a different kind of car, or only if I had gone to a different college, I need to go to this college instead of this one, Um, if only I had this partner, 
we look at other people and we look at what they have and where they are. And then we look at what we have and where we are. And we find that we're not content. We want what others have or where others find themselves in their journey. Never forget a lesson that I learned from a family at the very first church that I served, North Morganton, in, excuse me, Morganton, North Carolina. Um, They were the perfect family in my eyes. Every Friday afternoon, I would go do grocery shopping for our family, and I would see them in the grocery store. Every Friday, the dad would take both daughters and take them to the grocery store, and they could pick out one food prize for the weekend. I thought, oh, wow, what a great tradition. You know, they just, they always looked like the perfect family. When the kids went to high school and college and I was their youth pastor, I learned very quickly that what from the outside looked like the perfect family was certainly not. Both of the girls were struggling with some really big stuff. And one night I found myself at their home. They were in crisis and they had called and things were sort of falling apart for the oldest daughter. And we sat in their den and and prayed together and wept together. She had been date raped earlier in that week. And she said that she knew he was bad news. But everybody else always said that he was amazing and would be the ultimate boyfriend. And she said, you know, I just had a bad feeling but I wanted to be his girlfriend, his partner, so bad. And so she ended up in a very, very horrific and tragic circumstance. The dad said, you know, if you pick the roof up off of anyone's house and you look down in the house from above, you're going to see it's not always what you see when you look through the windows where they think everyone sees. Think about that for just a second. If you have a home and it has windows and you're standing outside and you look in like they know you're looking, right? It's called Facebook in our society today or Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok or whatever else uh, we use. People control and manage what they think other people can see. But if you were to pick up the roof and like be a hoverboard and be hovering over and looking down and nobody knows that you're looking, that's when you see the real stuff. In The Little Mermaid, Ariel was just not content. She was a rebellious teenager. She didn't like the setting she was in. She didn't want to be a mermaid. She didn't want to be King Triton's daughter. She wanted to be on land. And and so, you know, she'd swim and then she'd see all the things that she was missing. And she was discontent. She was envious of what she didn't have. So ultimately, long story short, she ends up making a deal with Ursula And this is where sometimes the villains get a bad rap. Like, I mean, Ursula was certainly not a person of the highest integrity, but, I mean, Ariel wanted something. And so Ursula worked out a trade. And she took her voice. 
and she got to have the most beautiful voice and this melody would just come from her that she did not have the ability or capacity to produce by herself. She coveted Ariel's voice and her looks. And so they make this deal. Ariel gets to become human and be on land. But if she doesn't either fall in love or get a kiss or whatever by a certain time, then uh, she loses her voice, her gift forever. She bargains. And she almost bargains too much. When do we in our lives want other things so badly and we think that they're going to make us happy that we take risk we shouldn't take we try to work out deals that shouldn't be made and all the while we're trying to fill this void that is in us that void is our villain and it is the void of discontent and jealousy and envy truth is, if, if you're watching this message, we have far more than we could ever imagine. Whether you're worshiping with us from Uganda or the United States, relative to each of our situations, if we have the ability to at least be listening to this over uh, the internet, then we, we have things that lots of people in this world don't have. We're blessed, like we're lucky. And when I say the word blessed, I don't mean that like God blesses us. I hate, I hate that phrase, and if that offends you, I'm sorry, but you know, like I'm so blessed. Uh, not necessarily like I think God blesses all people, and we don't all have the same goodness in our lives. Like we're not all independently wealthy, so does that mean that God didn't bless us as much as God blessed somebody else? So I just want us to be careful when we, when we use that word, but so maybe let's not use the word blessed. Let's use the word lucky. We are lucky and we are fortunate and we have so much. But for whatever reason, we want sometimes so much more. And that's the villain of discontent. Especially as we come into the month of November and the month of gratitude. What if we intentionally started looking at our lives with what we have and not what we want to have what if like november was a no spend november a no spend on ourselves and we see what could happen when we save up the things that we are so spendthrift on could we be content with what we have there's a deeper lesson in this message that I want us to learn today. And it comes from that villain of discontent, but it's the answer to how do we feed our discontent in such a way that we don't feed it so that it gets more, but that it gets less. We feed it in such a way that we become people of peace and people of enough. And it is honestly by learning the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
and you're like, oh my gosh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, if you know, you know about that, that, that's supposed to give me contentment. Well, what I want us to do this morning is I want us to meditate on that prayer. And I want you to look at each and every phrase. And there's one phrase in there, and it's, Thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, if you ask, I will give. But he also says, you, we need to pray, you know, thy will. Well, what's thy will? Well, I'll tell you in just a few minutes. I invite you just where you are right now to just get really comfy. If you're worshiping at home, just curl up with uh, your coffee or whatever. If you're driving, just try to be at a place of peace right now. And I want you to hear these words. Think of what comes to your mind when you hear them. Eternal spirit. Earth maker. Pain bearer. Life giver. Eternal spirit, earth maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and source of all that shall be. You are father and mother of us all, loving God, in whom is heaven. Loving God, in whom is heaven. The holiness and hallowing of your name echoes throughout the entire universe. The way of your justice can be followed by the people of the world. May your loving and heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom. May your peace and freedom sustain our hope. And may your peace and freedom come on earth. With the bread that we need for today, feed us. In the hurts that we absorb from one another today, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, Spare us. And from the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love now and forever. Amen. God, love, eternal spirit the one in whom heaven is. Did you hear that? Like heaven's not this outer place. Like heaven lies within God and God lies within us. So it's all together. May your will be done. May by all created beings, not just me, but by all created beings. If we will live that, if we will seek God's will, God, which is love, and God's will is love, 
So if we seek love, we will find contentment and we will find peace. At the end of the movie, Ariel gets exactly what she wants. Everything works out and the princess wins. Now, it was hard, though, getting to the winning circle for her. The same is true in our lives. That villain of discontent, it, it eats at us and it gnaws at us. But if we'll listen to it, and if we'll control it instead of allowing it to control us, and if we offer ourselves to God, to love, we find our way to where we need to be. Remember I told you when I was little, I used to preach to my cats. I mean, that was like my dream job. And, and then I thought, okay, no, I need to do something different by societal push, my parents push, whatever. And, and then, you know, so I pursued these other career paths and nothing was ever enough. Even when I was an associate pastor, I mean, I was always looking for that next thing. True peace and contentment found my soul when I finally relinquished my will for God's. And that calling was for me to preach. I mean, the last 13 years have been challenging quite a bit, but they've also been Honestly, the greatest 13 years of my life. I'm content. I don't need a bigger church. I certainly don't need one with a steeple. I don't need a higher salary. As long as we are being missional and loving other people and, and using our resources to make this world a better place, and I have the ability to do that alongside with you, I'm content. Where do you need to be more content today? And how do we need to squash that inner villain of discontent and envy? Let's be intentional about it. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you give us so much. And sometimes we're so busy looking at what others have and what we want that we don't see where we are and what we have. You are the eternal spirit. Heaven abides in you and abides in us. And if we will connect with that heaven we will live a life that is exactly what you have called us to god thank you for your love and your grace your your pushing and your pulling and your prodding us to get us where we need to be we offer ourselves to you today amen